night, would you? After, after all those churches and going for 2,000 years of history, or part of it, we're still in it, so it's still going on, but those chapters 2 and 3 covered the seven churches, and that covered from Christ all the way up uh, to the rapture, which is the next thing on the program, but it hasn't happened yet, so we're still here to have our lesson. And if you turn to chapter 4, you'll uh, be where we need to begin. I had a handout for tonight, and uh, Roger has it, <laughs> but I told him not to worry about it because uh, I didn't think I'd have time to cover it tonight, but I was going to hand it out and let you have it and look at it, take it home, it would be your copy, and then we could take uh, and go through it maybe next week. Uh, if not, we'll make time for it. But uh, I do have a handout for you, which is two subjects. It's the book of Daniel. Whenever I teach prophecy, if I'm teaching eschatology at the college or whatever, uh, I teach the book of Daniel with the book of Revelation and because uh, Daniel is the key to prophecy of the Bible. And uh, chapter nine, or, or chapter yeah, chapter nine, verses twenty-four through twenty-seven or so. Anyhow, uh, it has the layout of prophecy all up through this time and on up through the tribulation and so forth. Very detailed, and we have a, 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 a handout that I gave you of a chart that shows you that, and then. On the bottom of the chart is another uh, picture of the, uh, I believe it uh, contains the book of Revelation, and by chapter by chapter, and it's, it's in picture form. I, I, those things help me. Uh, I'm the kind of person that still likes to have a map. If I'm traveling, I'd like to have a map. Uh, I, I know you can get it on GPS and all that, and and my son says, maps are out of date. You can't get them. You don't need them. Uh, well, I, when I'm reminiscing or looking at something, I'd like to have a map in front of me. And these uh, diagrams that we hand out are like a map. Uh, they, they'll show you more than words can tell, really. But if you have your Bibles and open now to Revelation chapter number 4, we're going to go to heaven, as I said tonight. Look at verse number uh, 1 of chapter 4. After this. Remember now, after this. Uh, you have to recall the outline to the book of Revelation, which is in chapter number 1. We covered that with you back in chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, John was told to write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, that's still our present day to day, the church age, and the things which shall be hereafter. This book begins the hereafter. And chapter 4, all the way up through the end of the book, is prophecy. Each week we studied the churches, the seven churches, but now you'll not see the word church mentioned until you get back into chapter 22. 
Uh, this is past the church age now. And if you listen to this, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, this is the uh, scripture we like to use to teach about the rapture. And uh, here in verse number one, and if I look at my notes, I won't leave out anything. Uh, it talks about the, the word church here, as I mentioned, is not going to appear now because this is the calling up of the church in the heaven, the rapture. Uh, now, the word rapture, uh, you'll not find in scripture. Uh, but the word rapture means to be caught up. And that's what the uh, coming of Christ, when you read about it uh, in the scriptures. In fact, you might want to turn with me to First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 15 and look with me at a couple of verses here. First Corinthians chapter number 15. And we're going to look at... Um, Toward the very end of that chapter, you know what Revelation First Corinthians 15 is. That's the resurrection chapter uh, of the Bible. It talks about the resurrection, and uh, when you get into chapter 15 at the end, it talks about the time we're looking at tonight. If you look with me there for First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, look, notice verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And then it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the uh, trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Uh, this is speaking of the uh, catching up to the saints. First Thessalonians chapter 4 is a more common pass passage of scripture, verses 13 through the end of that uh, chapter, uh, that talks about the rapture, the taking away of the saints, when we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That closes the age of the church. They, some people call it the age of grace. Uh, the, I, I prefer the age of the church because grace uh, is still going to be active in the tribulation, it was in the Old Testament, and it was certainly during the church age, uh, was the age of grace. But it's the church age that comes to a close, and uh, they're taken to heaven. Now, the key word, if you go back to Revelation again, our, our passage that we're looking at, chapter 4, and we're still in verse number 1, uh, it says here, the doors open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was a, were a, a sound, a, a trumpet talking with me and said, come up hither. Uh, the um, the uh, teaching here is very clear. You, you can't miss it, really. Uh, come up hither. Uh, John's called up into heaven. Now, verse 2 says, and immediately, that's, it was just instantaneous now. Uh, it wasn't a process. It was just like the rapture is going to be. Without warning, just like that, it's going to happen. Uh, that's why you don't want to wait. If a person's not saved, they're, they're, they're foolish to wait. You don't know 
the day you'll die, for one thing, your life is like a vapor. It, it's only here for a little while, and then it's gone. And, uh, but you may be living and in good health. But if you're not saved and the Lord comes back, that's it. Teachings in the scripture, in, for, in uh, the book of Thessalonians, it tells us that uh, people that hear the gospel in this age and refuse Christ are not going to be saved in the tribulation. Now, don't let anybody tell you there will not be anybody saved in the tribulation because we're going to read in chapter 7 where there are many, many people saved uh, during the uh, tribulation period. But none of them will be those who have rejected Christ in this age. When, when um, Noah, of course, preached, what, 120 years and, and uh, built the ark and, and pleaded with the people to turn to God and, and they paid him no mind. They made fun of him, all that silly, crazy old preacher. I don't listen to him. But it came a day when God told Noah to take his family into the ark and then God shut the door. And none of those people that were outside of that ark, I don't care how loud they cried or pleaded, I don't care what they claimed to have done to help Noah or anything, it made no difference. They were gone. They were perishing in the flood that covered this entire world, not just a little piece, but the entire world. And we have, of course right in our uh, neighborhood over here in the Grand Canyon, uh, one of the greatest archaeological proofs of the flood is recorded there in the uh, rocks that uh, you can see. They have a tour that uh, is, it goes up there. The, the, uh, the folks that um, built the ark and has this science museum in Cincinnati, Christian Science Museum, uh, there's a group with them who have uh, guided tours. Uh, it's like a, a Bible study where you meet down in Williamsport or Williamsburg or something like that. You get on a bus and, and go up and spend a, a night overnight. I've been wanting to do that. I haven't got opportunity yet, but Lord willing, I hope to do that someday. Uh, but uh, the flood did affect the whole world. But when God shut that door, that was it. And when the rapture takes place, that's it. For this church age, that's it. I know they have movies and that out to talk about, you know, people getting saved who, who lived before the uh, rapture and uh, all that. But uh, you better stick with the Bible and, and forget about those. They make good movies and they, they make a lot of money and so forth or make a big name, but that's not true. Um, this door was open in heaven. That was Christ uh, opening that door and welcoming John in. He said, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture in John chapter 10, verse 9. He is the door. He is the door. Uh, the open door in heaven that John saw was, again, Christ's final call. At the close of the present age, when the last soul is, has received Christ as their Savior, uh, he will open that door and invite his children home. But when they get in, it's over. And no one else going up. He has been preparing uh, for them for, uh, for a long time. John 14, uh, chapter 1 through 3, 
is that familiar passage that you hear in funerals and so forth. Uh, he's going to prepare us a place, and if he goes, he's going to come again and receive us at where he is, we may be also. And, and that's a, a precious promise we have uh, in the scriptures and that he's coming back, and he's coming back to take us home. You know, it often dawned on me, uh, creation uh, took place in six days. God spoke all this into existence. The beauty that you see in, in the country, and, and I, I love natural beauty. I like the, the woods and the forest and the rivers and all that. Uh, I, I, I like to enjoy that going out there. And it's beautiful. God made that in six days. Christ has been preparing us a place for now over 2,000 years. No wonder heaven's going to be such a beautiful place. I mean, words can't say what all he has laid up in store for us if we just allow him to uh, come into our heart. Uh, Was it uh, uh, the trumpet here that sounds that we read about in verse 4, the trumpet talking to him? Uh, This is a uh, an instrument that's used often in the Bible, and and sometimes it's with military movements. It's sometimes with the movement of the Israel as a nation. Uh, but God uses this trumpet. Now this trumpet is a trumpet uh, of judgment, and we'll see that as we go along. Uh, in verse two, there the translation of John from from the earth into heaven. Uh, again, it was immediate, and that's going to be the way we are taken up at the rapture. Uh, I was in the spirit, he said. His spirit was, uh, in other words, projected from his body and he was caught up into heaven uh, by some mysterious, miraculous way uh, that we don't understand, but God does. And God's the one that called him up. Uh, and, And John was instantaneously transported from Patmos there on the island into the very presence of God in heaven, in what we call the third heaven. Uh, there are three heavens in the Bible. Uh, we see the first heaven. You get out and you look up and you see the sky, the atmosphere around you, the clouds and, and so forth. And we saw, praise the Lord, some good rain here in the last few days. And uh, uh, we see the atmosphere with our eyes. At night, you can see the second heaven. As God lights it up, the starry constant and all the, the heavenly bodies. But then there's a third heaven. Now you can't see, I don't care how good a telescope you have, you cannot see that third heaven. That third heaven is seen by faith and faith alone. If, if you don't have faith, you're not going there. Now, now the devil knows where it's at. Uh, he has access to heaven. We're going to find out when that's going to come to an end in, in chapter 12. He's going to get kicked out. But right now, he's still there, and he's the accuser of the brethren up in that third heaven. But John is taken up. You remember back in 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul was caught up into that third heaven. And uh, it's a definite place. Now, uh, there's a throne here. And Christ refers uh, about to his throne and then his father's throne, both there in chapter 3, verse 21. And so 
Uh, and let's just read this verse a little bit further here. And immediately I was, I, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one set on the throne. Now, uh, there's a throne there that John is, is, is viewing, and, and there's somebody sitting on that throne. It's definitely one of the persons of the Godhead, but now we should be able to distinguish which person. You say, well, it doesn't say. Well, it doesn't say here, but when you read the, the context, you'll find that, that soon we find the Holy Spirit, uh, His presence is there, and we see it spelled out for us. And then in chapter 5, Jesus, as the Lamb, he comes to the throne. And so this one sitting on the throne must be God the Father. Uh, just by natural deduction, I believe uh, you would agree with that. It, it has to be God the Father. Uh, like a ja- he, he, he looks like a jasper or a sardine, a sardine stone. Now... Uh, these stones that are mentioned, and let's it, uh, see, it must be uh, on down. Uh, I don't think I read that. Yeah, it is in verse three. And he he sat was he that sat on the throne looked upon like ja, like jasper and sardine sardine stone. Now, uh, jasper was is believed to be a diamond. A sardine is a ruby, and. Um, uh, these two stones you can find in the breastplate of the Old Testament high priest. His, his robe had, he wore a, a plate-like instrument above, above his clothing. And in that had the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And two of these stones that are mentioned here are in those 12, amongst those 12. And it's also in the New Jerusalem, when we study that later, coming down from God out of heaven, these stones again appear. Now, we don't know just all the meaning, but we do know that these stones uh, show us uh, God's, it symbolizes God's glory uh, somehow uh, beyond words. Uh, we cannot tell. And he said that he set, he set the, uh, and he that set was to look upon as jasper and, and sardine, and there was a rainbow. Now look at this. A rainbow round about the throne uh, in sight like unto an emerald. Like unto an emerald. So that's green, this rainbow. But the thing you want to notice is that this rainbow is round about the throne. You know, the, the beginning of the rainbow, God placed it in the sky as a pledge or a promise to Noah that he would not again destroy the earth by water. Now, we know he's going to destroy the earth one day. Uh, Peter tells us that, but it'll be by fire, and it won't be through global warming. Don't listen to that garbage. I mean, whatever made man get so arrogant that he thought he could destroy God's creation? Huh? God made this world, and he has it running right on schedule. They study it. Oh, they like to try to find mistakes. They can't find any, but they like to find mistakes. They try to prove evolution with the missing links, but the links are not there. They've never proved it. They cannot prove it because it's not true. We have the record of creation in Genesis, and God created the earth. That's it. And, and um, 
uh, it didn't evolve. He spoke it into existence. And just like that, just like that door opened in heaven, God spoke it and it was so. Just like when Christ comes back in chapter 19 and, and fights the battle, it's the word of his mouth. Just his words all it takes to destroy the enemies. Uh, just like it was in his ministry when he spoke and they fell backwards. You remember that when they arrested him uh, there at the garden scene. But uh, here we have uh, the, God's promise that was made to Noah. A rainbow. Uh, that, uh, and, it, and this rainbow again is a bow. It's not an arc. We see it from horizon to horizon. But this rainbow is viewed from heavenly and it's a circle complete around the throne. And it's a promise. Now there's another promise uh, that God made and, and, uh, uh, and, and it's with this rainbow, you think about it, it's a promise he made to Christ where his enemies would be his footstool. And, and that, of course, you can read over in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 9 through 11. And, and that's another promise that God's going to keep. Uh, for God's children, the, the storm's over. Uh, at this time, we're in heaven. The, the dead arise first, alive, caught up to meet him. You say, well, why did the dead get to go first? Well, they still got six feet further to go. If we're going to go up together, they've got to get up first. They've got to come up out of that grave in six foot, then we're caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. It's very, the Bible's not hard, folks. It's, it's not hard. The devil will make you think it's hard, and he'll try to make it hard, but it's not hard. It, it, it God, God made the, the words that, that he could show it. And this book of Revelation is one of the most neglected and hated books of all the 66 books. And, and, and look at the name, Revelation. It means reveal. Who wrote it? God did. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of, of John or any other man or angel. It's a revelation of Christ. We read that in chapter number 1. And so uh, here he gives them the presentation and uh, God's children uh, know that it's over for them. But God is about to bring judgment against uh, those who have rejected his son and thereby preparing the earth for Christ's reign when he comes at the revelation. Now, the, you'll find out as we go through this teaching, you'll find out the difference. There's the rapture and the revelation. It's separated by seven years. It's completely different. The, the rapture is the saved being caught up out of the earth. That means to be caught up. The revelation is when Christ comes back, not just to and to meet his, his, his children in the air, but he comes back to the, the earth and establishes his kingdom. That's the revelation. It's divided by a seven-year period. And uh, we should always remember that. Uh, now look at the persons that are round about this throne here. In uh, verse number 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, you need to 
study in the Old Testament a passage. Uh, I have it referenced here. I'll give you, give you the reference. Uh, in uh, First Chronicles chapter 24, uh, and, and this, uh, it talks about uh, the Levites and how that God had caused uh, um, the, the Levites to be divided into 24 courses. When you read in Matthew, when, when, when John the Baptist's daddy, who was a priest, a Levite, and it was, so he was selected by Lot to be the one that would go into the, the Holy of Holies, which they only went in once a year, and then after a cleansing, as was mentioned by the pastor or her Sunday school teacher here just last week, it had to be done before they could go in. Uh, but um, they, 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 they were organized. They, they, too many of them. They all couldn't go. They had to divide them. So they set up 24 courses of the priesthood. Now, it's not strange when you study it out that there are 24 here. There are 24 elders, priests sitting around. This, this uh, uh, seat, the word seat here in verse number uh, four, is it? Yeah, uh, number four. The four and 20 seats. That word seat is from the same Greek word that the word throne is translated. So you could rightfully say 24 thrones. And I think it gives you a better picture of what the scriptures are showing us here. There's 24 now. Notice 24 beings that are sitting on thrones around the throne. Okay? Now, let's, let's move on. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. Now, we know that's the color of the saints. When, uh, in chapter 19, when they come back uh, with Christ on, on the horses and, and uh, they don't fight the battle, by the way. All we have to do is watch. That's one battle where the general fights and the troops just watch because we don't have to fight. He just speaks the word and it's done. Uh, but we come back with him and they're clothed in white. White is the color of righteousness. And, they, and they're clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. They had gold crowns on their head. And, of course, we know we're going to see something about these crowns. Uh, we, today, uh, have the privilege of winning crowns in our service for the Lord. There's five distinct crowns, and that's a, a lesson in itself. But five crowns. That the New Testament speaks about that Christians can receive. Now, for their faithfulness, their service here. Now, it says, And out of the throne proceeded lightning and thundering and voices, and there were seven lamps. This is the Holy Spirit. Now, we've already mentioned in a prior passage about the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Not that there are seven Holy Spirits, but it's the manifestation of his ministry, of his ministry as God the Holy Spirit. He's as much God as God the Son. And that's one reason I said before, this must be God the Father 
on the throne because uh, here we have the Holy Spirit represented here uh, in the uh, passage that we just read, uh, that um, the seven lamps. And it says in verse 6, And before the throne there was a sea of glass likened to crystal in the midst of the throne. Now, everything we find in here it has a, uh, a meaning. And, and when, there, when the Bible talks about, uh, up in verse 3, it was like a jasper, like. That tells you that's symbolic. But don't, don't interpret the, the scripture as symbolic unless the context gives you that liberty. Uh, where it's literal, it's literal. Here, it says that there was a sea of glass. Now, the glass is, is symbolic as of the sea. The sea, in other words, is solidified. There's no oceans in heaven. We know that. But there's a sea of glass, which is like a big mirror, you might say. It's, it's, it represents the water. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, they had the laver. And in the temple, they had the sea. Solomon's temple, they had the sea. These bodies of water were used by the priests for purification. Now these priests here, these 24 priests uh, that are around the throne here, representing the priesthood of believers, which we Christians are, uh, all the Christians wouldn't be there. 24 represents just like the Old Testament. 24 courses represented all the Levitical, all the priestly people. Here these represent in, in us. It's solid, it's solid. It's not like the the laver or the uh, sea in Solomon's temple where they use for cleansing because <laughs> these these priests are in white clothing. They're holy. They're 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 they've got crowns of gold on their head. Uh, they're pure. There's no need for purification. They're in heaven now, and so we find this meaning throughout here. It's likened to crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Now, the word beasts is another thing that confuses some people. And they're thinking about the grotesque uh, things. But really, they're going to describe them. And they are of the, uh, the, the, the beast of the field. In other words, the beast of the earth. Uh, but the, these are living creatures, is what you should think of. When it says beast, you think of living creatures. And, uh, and uh, it says, and the first beast was like a lion. Again, it doesn't mean it was a lion. He was like a lion. He had the appearance of the lion. And uh, the second beast, like a calf. And the third beast had a face as a man. He wasn't a man. Didn't have the face of a man, but he had a face like a man. And, and each one of these tells us something. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Uh, here we have these uh, beasts uh, that are, are presented here. And they are really uh, angelic beings. They're angels uh, by, by service. Uh, there's not but humans and angels uh, this business of having ghosts or, or um, uh, 
creatures of the dark, as you hear them say today, and all these uh, crazy stories. They make TV, you can't even watch TV today. Half of that junk on there is, is supposed to be supernatural features or supernatural beings. That's trying to warp your mind, folks. You better get away from that stuff. Uh, that's, that's like we used to teach the little kids. You know, when I was a kid, they'd just come out with Superman. And there were some of those silly little old farm boys uh, jump off the barn roof and break a leg thinking that they could fly. Uh, you know, that's crazy. It's crazy then, it's crazy now. And uh, uh, yet they try to warp your mind to where you accept that as being common or natural, and it's not. The white garments here that speaks of the perfect righteousness. They're clothes of these saints, and so they don't need to be purified. Uh, there are two crowns, two types of crowns in heaven, uh, and that, of course, uh, we find here in Revelation the sovereign's crown, that's God's crown, and then the victor's crown. Uh, the, the proceedings from out of this throne, uh, the throne of deity here, is the throne of judgment. As I say, it talks about lightning and thundering and voices. Uh, that's a day of, of judgment that's about to fall. We live today in the day of grace. As long as this church age continues, before the rapture occurs, God's on his throne of grace. Whosoever will may come. And what a blessed thing that is, that he would save any of us but he's chose to save all that will come unto him. I don't care who they are. I don't care how wicked a life they might have lived. Uh, they're able to be saved simply by coming to Christ because we live in that day of grace. But judge, justice is due to happen and justice means judgment and lightning and thundering and voices are symbols of the judgment that's about to fall. Now we find out next that there's a uh, in verse number 6, it says here, And before uh, the throne there was a sea of glass and, into, and like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. These eyes uh, is, is telling us that these beasts have perception. They can see the past. They can see the future. They're not omniscient. Only God's omniscient. The devil's not omniscient. He doesn't know all things. Only God knows all things. But these angels know all things that are necessary for them to do their job. And, and I believe these angels are of the, the class of cherubim. Uh, seraphims also have wings, and these are mentioned to have wings. And um, so there's only, uh, not all angels have wings. I know in our plays in the church and the cantatas and that we like to make angels with wings and we like to make girls and they're not angels either <laughs> you never live with one you find out that they're not an angel right they may be sweet as an angel and they may be nice and loving as an angel but they're not angels and and in heaven only masculine names are used for angels i'm sorry ladies but i didn't write it i'm just reading it uh, just masculine uh, names are used for angels. And none of the angels have wings except for the seraphims and the cherubims. 
These are a class, a very high class. They're not the archangel, that's the highest, but they are a high state. You read about them through the scriptures, the cherubims, and, and how that they have a, a, a performance uh, to uh, serve God. And that's who is speaking about here. Uh, and um, let's see, uh, the, the trail before the throne here. Uh, the number seven has been used uh, characteristic of the Holy Spirit. Often it has a number of uh, completion. And here the Holy Spirit takes on his uh, judicial uh, character and fire being, of course, the symbol of divine judgment. And so we see that. And, and I've already mentioned about the labor and the, uh, and the sea. Now the, the praise in the midst of the throne uh, we get in verse 7, and uh, let's see, uh, uh, verse 7. And the first beast was like a lion. I've read that. Okay, second, okay, and down to verse 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings which uh, about them, and they were full of eyes within, and, and they rest not, not day nor night, and the day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is and is to come. Uh, holy, 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 is, I believe, is a representation of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But they cry out, Holy, holy, holy. And they don't cease from doing this. This is a, uh, something that we we wouldn't understand the joy of it and the preciousness of it uh, but we will when we get to heaven and when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever now notice here's our part the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne they don't worship these beasts they fall down before God the Father on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before their, the throne saying thou art worthy O Lord uh, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things for thy pleasure uh, they are and were created. Uh, you know, it's a fact, as I said, that we can win crowns or earn crowns is a better term uh, because they're rewards. Uh, the judgment seat of Christ, some of us have it in our mind of a, of a judgment because of that word judgment seat of Christ. But, but that, that time is really like an awards banquet, <laughs> you know? When you go to a graduation or something like that, uh, and there's an awards banquet, uh, some are given awards because of their service, and others don't. Well, some don't didn't make any rewards. Uh, not all Christians are the same. Some Christians serve God, and some Christians choose to serve themselves, and uh, they don't care about the things of God but they, they are anxious to serve themselves. But here we find these elders, again, representing all of Christians during the age of the church. That's what these represent. We are a priesthood of believers. You know that, don't you? 
We don't go to a priest. We are priests in Christ. Christians are priests in Christ. And, and as a priest, we have a, a, a connection with these 24 elders who are priests. They're representing all of us. Just like the 24 uh, uh, Levite sections or groups represented all the Levites. And, and they, they awarded these crowns if, uh, if they're faithful. But, but what they do is they realize, I didn't win this crown. I don't deserve this crown. I did what I did by the grace of God. Let me tell you something. The next time you walk down the strip or somewhere around here and see all these homeless people and people that are on drugs and out of their minds and so forth, don't you get critical. What you need to say, there go I except by the grace of God. They're no different than we are except we have received Christ as our Savior and He has cleansed us and made us whole. When a Christian gets saved, the Bible tells us he's born again. But he still has that old man. But we're born again and in a spiritual sense. And this Holy Spirit is the one that does that work in us, by the way. Places us in Christ. And all these wonderful things enables us, teaches us. The Bible tells us nobody can teach you anything but the Spirit about spiritual things. And he teaches us and he rewards us when we are honest and we're faithful in our service. But when we, again, realize that in our thinking, we didn't do that. God did that through us. If you did it, it's no better than wood, hay, and stubble. The Bible says our righteousness are as filthy rags in the sight of God. That's the very best we can do in the flesh. We can't do that, but God can do it through us. And when we give our life to him, he comes into us as a a newborn babe in Christ. And he wants to raise us in the likeness of Christ. And God's goal is to make you like Christ. The, the, the name Christian came there at Antioch about the uh, believers there that all acted like Christ. And that word means little Christ. It was just a bunch of little Christ. They, they, were, they believed the teachings of Christ and accepted it and, 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 they, and they lived according to it. And so they were called Christians. And it was a derogatory term uh, in the world. We take it as a badge. And it's no longer looked to be a, a derogatory term today, but it was originally uh, something that you didn't want to be called. Uh, it, it wasn't a nice way to address a person, but it has become that. But Jesus does that. Uh, he does it all. And, and these, these scriptures here remind us of the 24 elders. It's not the church. It's what the church was that's there. In Christ. There's nothing that we can't do if we let the Lord lead in our life. We have the power of God within us. The Holy Spirit resides within us. 
And with him I can do all things. Without him I can do nothing. But with him I can do all things. That's true. What a precious promise we have. We look into this time and this chapter, the next chapter is in heaven. Beautiful chapters. Uh, Of the book of Revelation, these two chapters, chapters 4 and 5, ought to be sweet and, and tender in your heart. Uh, when you read it and study it. Uh, This is the throne chapter. And these 11 verses, the word throne is mentioned something like 12 times. Uh, In the the book of Revelation, it's 35 or 37 times. It's enough to get the book of Revelation to be called the throne book of the Bible. The word throne, throne, throne. And in chapter 5, it's some more glimpse of the throne and the things that are happening. It's in heaven. It's a heavenly scene that we're, we're looking to. We went from Laodicea, the closing of the church age, uh, when it ends in failure. People think that uh, the post-millennialists believe that they're going to make the world so good, then they're going to invite Christ to come back. That's not going to happen. We're premillennials. We know that we live in an age of grace, which is followed by a tribulation time, and then Christ comes, and then a millennial age. All that's planned out. That's why global warming can never destroy this world. That's why man cannot blow it up with no crazy experience of a hydrogen bomb or anything like that. They can do a lot of damage. They can cause a lot of suffering, and man has always done that. And I mean, you read history and see the thousands upon thousands of people that are killed by fellow men. Man can do about anything. We just, uh, we can remember some of us vividly the Second World War and all the uh, devilish things that happened there. But with Christ on the throne, it makes a difference. But that church age ended with Laodicean. That's a picture of failure. You know, and I believe the Bible is laid out in dispensations. God deals with men different ways in different times. And there are seven dispensations. We're not going to teach on that. That's another lesson in itself. But being a believer in that, I know that in my heart we live today in that sixth dispensation. And it's a parenthesis. We live in a time it should not have been. The Old Testament is the fifth dispensation and it comes up and it doesn't end. They, they denied the Messiah. They rejected him. He came into his own but his own received him not and, and, and Christ was rejected and so God placed the church in. And it goes for all now 2,000 years but it's going to end one day in the rapture. And then that fifth dispensation is going to kick in again. God's going to deal with the Jewish nation again. We're going to see that very clearly. And, and he'll deal with the Jewish nation again. And not, again, the church isn't in this. The church is in glory. And we're sitting around the throne. We're having a great time of worship and praising God. There, there's a lot of sweet truths in the book of Revelation that the devil would steal from you. If you don't, if you don't uh, study your Bibles, 
I thank God for each one of you here tonight. Uh, you're more concerned about this than you are the politicians. I know that. Some of them have probably stayed home tonight to watch the, uh, the debate. Well, if you notice, we don't do any debating here. We do uh, proclaiming the Word of God. It, we're not going to argue about it. That's just the way it is. If uh, you have a, a thought that's different, uh, then we, we, we're concerned about talking with a person and helping a person. But listen, my notes that I wrote, I originally made these 50 years ago. Now I've reformed them. I've changed them around. I've re-outlined them in different ways. Uh, but I've never changed the truth. I just tried to make it a little clearer, a little more able to be understood. But you'll not, you'll not study the Bible to where you'll say, well, I know it all. The man, the Chinese say, the man that knows everything has a lot to learn. <laughs> when you tell me you know all about the Bible, I know you have a lot to learn. <laughs> 